Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. Excited to wrap up this series. Yep. This is going to be the finale of our Top 100 Draft Ranking Special. Check out the previous two installments if you haven't already. And before we get into it, there is something quick to address because it will affect our rankings. Damian Williams opted out of the season today, leaving Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the clear-cut number one running back in the Kansas City backfield. Clyde has already appeared in both of our rankings. For me, he was at number 47. I can't speak for Trent, but after the news, I felt it was necessary to bump Clyde up into the top 30 of my rankings. That means David Johnson drops to 31 for me, and everyone after him that was before Clyde previously also moves down. All right, now that we've gotten that quick announcement out of the way, Trent, I'll let you kick things off. Who are the first few guys in your top 30? Yeah, so to remind everyone, at 30, I did have Le'Veon Bell in the last episode, and my top 30 did not change with the news of Damian Williams. At 29, I have David Johnson. At 28, I have Mike Evans. At 27, I have Adam Thielen. At 26, I have Leonard Fournette. And at 25, I have Lamar Jackson. Okay, cool. So for me, I previously did have David Johnson at 30, but he drops down to 31, which means Leonard Fournette is at 30 for me. Allen Robinson is 29. Todd Gurley is 28. Adam Thielen is 27. And George Kittle is 26. We had a lot of similar players in there. Yes, and actually, didn't you say 25 too? So I'll say that. It, 25 for me was DJ Moore. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Um, go for it. Yeah, so well, the one thing that I noticed is that you have Mike Evans fairly low on your list. And this is something that I actually had a conversation with a couple of people about today. Is I feel like Mike Evans, we've gotten actually to the point where he might be underrated from a fantasy perspective. I mean, the man has put up 1,000-plus receiving yards in all six of his seasons, and he's scored eight or more touchdowns in four out of those six seasons. So I understand the concerns about Brady and the connection that they could build and if Godwin is going to take over as the number one receiver. But I just feel like Mike Evans, you know, he has top five potential. He's a big target. I'm not really worried about that. What do you feel about it, Trent? Yeah, I just know that not everyone on this, you know, receiving core or receiving end of the offense is going to be able to put up incredible production. I mean, someone has to slow down. Chris Goblin and Mike Evans both had incredible seasons last year, but that was with a cute quarterback who threw, I think, like almost 700 attempts, which is absurd for any quarterback to throw that much. And we know that Tom Brady is not going to, you know, throw that many times this season. Uh, we also have Ronald Jones III, who's going to get probably more touches out of the backfield this year. And they added Tom Brady's, you know, long-lost lover and Rob Gronkowski, who <laughs> they've had a strong connection for as long as we can remember. And that's going to affect, you know, someone's targets. And I think it's going to be Mike Evans more than it's going to be Chris Goblin. Um, I, I don't think Mike Evans – I think Mike Evans has good upside just because of who is his quarterback and the situation he's in. I just know there's only so many um, targets to go around. Yeah, that's fair. But you want to hear something interesting, Trent? Is that we, we talk about a lot about this, and I feel like both of us were somewhat uneducated about it. Jameis Winston threw 626 balls last year. Tom Brady threw 613. That was the most in, I think he's thrown in four years prior to that. So the notion that Tom Brady's not going to be throwing the ball that much, I think we might be uh, under... Uh, what am I thinking? Underwhelming? No. I don't know the term. Um, 
underestimating Tom Brady. Yes, I think we under, might be underestimating how much Tom Brady has left in the tank. And obviously, as Patriots fans, we know it wasn't all great from Tom Brady. And he did have the lowest yards per attempt of his career, I believe. It was 6.6. But James's was also only 8.2. So I think the notion that people are expecting Mike Evans to just not see as many targets because he's only a deep receiver, I just don't think that's true. I think he's going to be perfectly capable of working within that 8 to 15 yard range that Brady can be comfortable with. And I think a big portion of why Brady's yards per attempt was so low last year, because you look at the talent on his team, he was really only throwing to Julian Edelman, and that's where he worked out of, out of the well, slot. I also think that a good portion of Mike Evans' value comes with his size and you know his red zone presence. And that is kind of hindered coming into the season because they added Ron Gronkowski, who has historically Tom Brady's favorite red zone target. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, still might get a thousand yards this season, but instead of having, you know, nine touchdowns, he could have as low as four or five. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think he did have a couple seasons. Those two seasons where he didn't have more than eight, he saw three or four. So we know that's probably around just four because he is going to have a couple games where he goes off. You know how Mike Evans works. He wasn't amazing for the entire second half of the season, all year, but he had like three straight weeks where he had 40 plus points. And realistically, I think that's what you're going to see from him again this year. He could easily finish as a top 10 or maybe even top five receiver, but he's not going to be the consistent 20 point per game guy every yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, even where he's at on my list, I think I have him as wide receiver nine. So it's not that I, don't, I even have him that low. I just like a lot of different positional players ahead of him. Yeah, no, that's definitely All right. Fair. So we get for our next five, Jeff. Okay, so I have Juju Smith-Schuster at 24, Lamar Jackson at 23, so pretty close to where you had him, Travis Kelsey at 22, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 21, and Kenny Galladay at 20, who was actually just placed on the COVID injury reserve list for the Lions. That does not mean he has it, but he means he was probably exposed to someone who did. So we're still awaiting news on that, but hopefully it's good news for yeah. Kenny. And uh, so for my next five, at 24, I have Todd Gurley. At 23, I have Kenny Galladay. At 22, I have Chris Godwin. At 21, I have George Kittle. And at 20, I have Travis Kelsey. I like it. You know, I like you having Kittle and Kelsey back-to-back. I know that you're really high on Kittle yeah, this I year. Almost, I think at first I actually had Kittle over Kelsey. Um, I just could, I couldn't, um, you know, deny the fact that Kelsey has a much better quarterback throwing to him. And is going. It, I mean, Kittle will still see possibly a larger target share than uh, Travis Kelsey will. Uh, but I, I just know that the ball is getting thrown at Kelsey are going to be a lot more accurate and, and a lot more important than I think Kittles are. Yeah. You know, I would probably agree with that. I have them pretty close in their rankings too. They're separated by four. Another thing, Trent, that I want to touch on before we move on is that Chris Goblin didn't even crack the top 20 for you, if yeah. I'm correct. So you're just not that high on either of the Bucks receivers this What's year. Like I'm not high on them. I just think that, that everything's going to get spread out more. I think last season they both finished within like what you know top five or top ten wide receivers. Well, um, Evans actually had somewhat of a down year. I think he was around yeah, thirteen. So it's I I both I still have them both in the top ten four wide receivers. I just like I said I I see running backs as more valuable than them this year, and I think that Ronald Jones a third will have a stronger season this year, see some more targets out of the backfield, some more touches on the ground, and they brought in Rob Gronkowski. I, it's not that I don't think Tampa Bay is going to do well. I think they have a very good shot 
and even winning the Super Bowl, I just think it's going to be more of a well-rounded offense. That's, that, that's all I see yeah. out of that team. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. And the biggest thing about James is that he was comfortable chucking up these 50-yard bombs whenever he felt pressure. And Tom Brady is going to be much smarter. He's not going to make those throws. So they're going to have to be more consistent, especially Mike Evans, as we saw, which he struggled to be last year if they want to produce on that level from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, one thing that I want to touch on before we move on is I did include Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as high as 21 on my list. I know some people think that's high. He actually ends up being RB12 which is right around where I think he should be. He's around that clump of RB1s last year that we're going to get to, but before the guys like Todd Gurley. You know, this, the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Kareem Hunt rookie year comparisons, they're going to be inevitable now that Clyde is the number one guy, but that's not fair to Clyde. Hunt's rookie year was otherworldly. He led the NFL in rushing yards and also scored 11 total touchdowns. The potential for Clyde to put up similar numbers may be there, but I've seen a couple of people say that he might be a top five running back this year or that he's a lock to be a top five running back this year. There's potential, certainly, but don't just expect it to happen. I mean, you I, I could be wrong on the math here, but I believe you moved him up like 26 spots. Just, just because, I did. I did just because Damian Williams, um, who we presume, or presumed would start the season, I think we all think that Clyde would take over um, pretty early on in the season, um, but it sounds like this made a big difference for you um, by Dame Williams, you know, decided not to play this season. Yeah, you know, it absolutely did because I'm not willing to put him as a top 10 running back and the 12 guys that I have above him are solidified. Those are guys that I would take and we'll get to them uh, because I think that they're clear-cut RB1s. But then after those last guys, who I'll give a little spoiler here, that my last guy is Aaron Jones. After those 12 players, you get into an area, a little bit of an, a gray area where you don't know exactly where you're going to get. You're going to have your Todd Gurley's, your Leonard Fournette's, who's more of a lock in some aspect because we've seen what he can do in Jacksonville. But then you have your David Johnson's, your Chris Carson's. Those are your veteran running backs that we think we know what they can get, but their situation is just as uncertain as Clyde's. And I think if Clyde is the number one guy in this offense at the running back position, which we know he is now in that Kansas City offense, he's such a threat. Yeah, it will be interesting to watch this season. You know how Because I think we've talked about in prior episodes – especially after they announced there's no preseason, is he's going to get right. He's going to get thrown right into things. I would assume he's going to have somewhat at least a, maybe a slow start, maybe just the first week. He's going to get into the rhythm of things. Um, eventually he'll catch on and, and learn the offense. I mean, he's in a very high-powered offense, probably the highest-scoring offense in the league this season. Um, I, he, he's going to be an interesting player, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And he does have a lot of things to touch up. He's not nearly the perfect product that Kareem Hunt was in his ability to do everything. He's a really good receiving back. You know, he's decent on the ground, but he's not. Oh, he's more than decent on the ground, obviously. He was a first-round pick. But he definitely has some holes to plug up. He's not a great blocker. He's got to learn to do more things. People are just expecting an electric Yeah, absolutely. All right, Trent, so who are your next five? So for my next five, I think we're, we're going to the top 20 now. At 19, I have Pat Mahomes. At 18, I have Kenyon Drake. At 17, I have Nick Chubb. At 16, I have Aaron Jones. And at 15, I have Austin Eckler. Okay, nice. At 19, I do have Mike Evans. At 18, I have Aaron Jones. At 17, I have Austin Eckler. At 16, I have Nick Chubb. And at 15, I have Chris Godwin. So we have that similar clump of running backs in there. Yeah, we definitely do. I think what's most shocking to me, I could be wrong, 
has Pat Mahomes come up on your list yet? Oh. He has. You know what? We were actually talking about this, and I completely like passed over the notion that Patrick Mahomes was 39 on my rankings. Wow. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson's 23. So I do think that there is a, a round that separates them, and that's just because of Lamar's running ability. And, yeah, realistically, like looking back on it now, maybe I'd move Patrick Mahomes up a couple of lists, but I'm looking at these guys I have above him, like even Miles Sanders, Melvin Gordon, Robert Woods, maybe on Bell, Chris Carson – Knowing me, as I've been stressing, you need to get your running backs early. And if I am in a draft and I have these running backs available and Patrick Mahomes is still available in the third round, I'm going to take the running backs. It's just crazy to, for me to understand that it, you have three positional Kansas City players in your top 30, yet the most important guy that runs the offense is outside the top 30. But he's still QB too. For me, you have to understand this is PPR rankings. This is the entirety of these players. This is not a knock on Pat Mahomes. I think he's going to finish his QB two or could easily finish his QB one this year. But these are, when we're talking about fantasy football and my draft strategy, I usually don't even like taking a quarterback till rounds eight, nine or 10. So I am not high on taking a quarterback early. I would much rather have these guys. This is my draft board. These are my PPR rankings. These are all guys I would take over Pat Mahomes. That's but just how it is. Lamar Jackson is like 15 spots better than Pat Mahomes this season. I have um, where do I have him? I think, uh, yeah, sixteen spots higher. I I do personally looking at the stats that Lamar Jackson put up last year had an incredible year, and Pat Mahomes doesn't have the running ability that Lamar has. So yeah, that's just fair. I think Lamar's still a uh, third round pick with that, or actually he's a late second round pick, and that's where I've been seeing him going. I think that's about right for him. If you're gonna if you're gonna stretch to take a running back in the first two rounds, the only one I would feel comfortable doing is Lamar Jackson. Just to correct you, I think you meant quarterback, right? Qu- quarterback, sorry. Yeah, did I say running back? Yeah. Well, Lamar Jackson, he's not a running back. But that, that's something that he definitely wants you to stress. But uh, he might as well be, considering the stats he puts up. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I didn't even realize that he had Pat Mahomes that low, but uh, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, it's definitely something we glossed over last yeah, episode. I think we were too busy talking about Miles Sanders because he was one rank higher. You know than what? Him. Speaking of the devil, I... I've been waiting for him to come up. About my next five at fourteen, I have Miles Sanders. At thirteen, I have Joe Mixon. At twelve, I have Tyree Kill. At eleven, I have DeAndre Hopkins. And at ten, I have Devontae Adams. Okay. All right. At uh, fourteen, I have Tyree Kill. At thirteen, I have Kenyon Drake. At twelve, I have DeAndre Hopkins. At eleven, I have Devontae Adams. And ten. I have Julio Jones. So, Trent, we might as well talk about Miles Sanders. I'm not going to get into a huge debate about this with you like we did last time. We took, I think, 10 or 15 minutes. Just give me your spiel on why you feel like he should be a top 15 PPR player. Well, I have him as running back nine, so it's not like I have him um, insanely high. I have him one spot ahead of his, of his average draft position, which is 15 right now. I think that Miles Sanders will improve on his numbers uh, from last season, um, I, I talked about it a little bit, little bit last episode. I think that the Eagles will be playing from behind a lot of games, and Miles Sanders is a guy who had 50 catches last season, and I could see him getting you know 75 catches this season, which is a lot for a running back who's also kind of a workhorse back. Is he gets you know he's going to get probably 200 carries on the ground this season. I think those numbers, um, as long as he gets a good 
uh, yards per carry and yards per catch average, throws in a couple of touchdowns, is good enough for a top 10 running back. And, you know, it's just hard for me to believe that his numbers are, are going to regress after a strong rookie season. Um, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to get into to it too much, but, you know, Miles Sanders had more yards per attempt than Josh Jacobs uh, last season. Or, sorry. Stop. He, he, had more yards, <laughs> he had more yards from scrimmage um, than Josh Jacobs last season. I understand Josh Jacobs is a workhorse back. It's a different situation, but you can't deny the fact, from, at least from a stat standpoint, that Miles Sanders did have more yards from scrimmage than Josh Jacobs. And we both have Josh Jacobs as, as a top 10 player. Yeah, I mean, that is a fair stat. I'll give you credit on that. And something that I'm just going to admit now that I didn't really want to admit last uh, episode is that the reason I have Miles Sanders so low, it really does come from this grudge I have against Eagles running backs. I know you said that thing about the committee, and that's all fair. It's good play. I just have this hunch. I'm not, a, I'm not that high on Miles Sanders this year. I don't think he's going to have a horrible year, but I do think that all of the running backs I have over him, which is he's RB, I believe, 20 now that Clyde has uh, come into the fold ahead of him. Those are all running backs I would take over him. I wish no ill will towards Miles Sanders, and I hope he has a great year. Just don't love the system he's in in Philly. I know that you disagree with me there. I just don't see him outperforming any of the guys I have above him. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll end it there so we don't you know, harp on it too much. Um, I'm sure it's a conversation that will come up week by week when Miles Sanders starts you know, burning defenses and is playing really well. And I'll, I'll just say I told you so, but um, you know, I, I, I like him a lot this season. Um, and it's not like I just have him above guys that Austin Eckler, I think, is more of a, a, a PPR running back just cause from a catch standpoint, but I don't think he's that great of a running back. Nick Chubb's going to split with, uh, you think he's going to split with Kareem Hunt. He's going to lose a lot of cut, catches that way. There's just guys that I have behind him that I'm not sold on. And I know, as, I know Miles Sanders is the sole running back on this team. Yeah, Boston Scott might steal a couple of touches, but he's not like he has like Kareem Hunt behind him or something like that. Miles Sanders is, is the real deal in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I'll, we'll leave it at that. But uh, I will say I do expect Boston Scott to have a bit more of an expanded role. And I am still looking for the Eagles to add a running back like Lamar Miller or Devontae Freeman. I think it's that I think that's going to happen at some point, and that's why I have him so low in my rankings. If they don't, might consider giving a boost. But yeah, that's all I have to say about Miles Sanders. That's definitely fair. And uh, would you mind repeating um, who you had in your top five? I, or the five you just said? Yeah, my last five. Um, I had Tyreek Hill at fourteen, Kenyon Drake at thirteen, DeAndre Hopkins at twelve, Devontae Adams at eleven, and Julio Jones. Yeah, the at 10. one that that struck me there is you had Kenyon Drake at. At 13, I feel like that's quite high for a guy that um, I didn't think you were that high on, at least, at least when we're drafting. Um, and he's in a pretty crowded offense. Yeah, so this is interesting because Kenyon Drake was a guy who you're absolutely right, Trent, at the beginning of this season, at the beginning of this offseason. Sorry, I wasn't that high on. But, you know, you do a little bit of a deeper dive into his numbers. He has that big playability. I think he's much more effective of a rece- as a receiving back than we're giving him credit for. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury is going to find a way to get him involved? They like him a lot. They transition tagged him. I believe that was the specific tag they put on him, meaning that he is in their long-term future and they are going to sign him to a longer deal. Uh, he's the only real running back threat on that team. I'm sorry, Chase Edmonds is not going to do anything. And I think that 
the added receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, who actually I think it's funny that I have back those two guys back-to-back in my rankings. I think it's only going to stretch defenses even more. Kenyon Drake, he might not see like 20 carries a game. I think if he can get 15 touches a game, which is reasonable, he can definitely put up these numbers in this offense, which I think is going to be extremely dynamic. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Where did you have Kenyon Drake in your rankings? In the lower uh, yeah, I teens? Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that's definitely fair. He was a guy who I wasn't sure on in his rankings. I moved him around I mean, a lot. I will note, his average draft position is eight, so technically we're both low on him. I think his pre-draft ranking is closer to 16, 17, but it looks like people are pretty high on him this season, and people like getting their running backs, so uh, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of running backs, we have a lot of them in our top ten. And Trent, why don't you get into your first Yeah, guy? so at nine, I have Josh Jacobs at eight. I have Michael Thomas. At seven, I have Julio Jones. At six, I have Dalvin Cook. And at five, I have Derrick Henry. I applaud you for doing what I did not feel confident enough to do, putting Julio Jones over Michael Thomas in your rankings. I I love that so much. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I did put Julio at 10, though. Uh, For me, at 9, I had Joe Mixon. At 8, I have Josh Jacobs. At 7, I have Derrick Henry. At 6, I have Dalvin Cook. And at 5, I do have Michael Thomas. I didn't think Michael Thomas would be in your top 5, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I did talk a lot of trash, but at the end of the day, it's hard for me to put a guy who broke the single-season reception record and, in my opinion, only got helped out by the acquisitions New Orleans made this offseason out of the top five. And he's the first receiver to come off the board, so I think that he should come off the board in the top five. And I do believe, I don't remember what episode or what podcast it was in, but you said you would take Julio Jones over Michael Thomas in a draft. I did say I think Julio Jones... I said Julio Jones, I believe he will finish higher than Michael Thomas. There is a difference. If I'm taking a receiver in the first round, which I absolutely never do, it's going to be Michael Thomas. We'll have to go back and run the tape. I, 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 I am pretty adamant that you said I broke it down in some weird scenario, like because I know you would never take a wide receiver in the first round. I, I'm almost positive you did mention Julio Jones over Michael Thomas. Not not going to hold you to well, it. Not going to hold you to it. You did you go no, for you, it. And you know what? We'll run the t- yeah. We'll run the tape back. And if I did say that, then you know what? I've changed my yeah. mind since then. That would probably the episode would probably be weeks ago. And as the season has neared, I have changed well, my mind. Michael Thomas, he does deserve to be the first receiver off the board. Doesn't matter how much slack I give him. He definitely deserves to be that guy, considering the numbers he put up last year. Even if I don't think he's a top three talent. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. Is like, and you've done more research, and you decided to flip flop him, which is fine. Like, I get nothing wrong with that. Uh, they're both Julio Jones and Michael Thomas are, are great talents, and it, it's tough because I look at both those guys. I think they're both very dominant wide receivers. Uh, I'd say Michael Thomas has the better quarterback, but they're also both in pretty crowded offenses in general. I mean, Julio Jones has Todd Gurley at running back. He's got Calvin really alongside him. He's got a legit uh, tight end in, in Hayden Hurst. And then Michael Thomas has Emmanuel Sanders alongside him. He's got both Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray at running back. And he's got Jared Cook at tight end. They, all these guys are going to fight for touches. I think Michael Thomas... How many targets you saw last season, you won't see again this season. That was something I, I don't think anyone predicted. 
Um, I just like Julio Jones, how consistent he is. He, I think he's put up a thousand yards in the past, like six or seven seasons. He's a very dominant wide receiver. And, you know, I decided to switch it up and be like, I, I feel confident in Julio this season. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely fair. Uh, so you're saying that if you have a first round pick and let's say Michael Thomas slides to you at eight, you're going to take Julio over. I, I, I honestly, after looking into it, it, it would be tough to people would think I'm crazy. Um, but I think I would. I, I, I think I would take Julio over Michael Thomas. But knowing me, if there were running backs available, I'd probably stretch for a running back just because I don't really like drafting a wide receiver early like you. But I, I would really, I, I, I think I would. It, would. it would take a lot of contemplation. I would take the full minute of time or whatever I get on, on maybe an ESPN uh, PPR format. Uh, I, I think in standard, Julio is definitely better. And people, I, yeah. I think in a standard league, I am 100% taking Julio over Michael Thomas. In PPR, it's definitely a lot closer. I, I mean, I may end up sneaking Michael Thomas over Julio in PPR. Uh, it, I think it's honestly a toss up. And I think they do finish 1 2. I'm just not sure which way it will be in. Yeah, that's definitely fair. And you know, the, part of the reason why I do have Michael Thomas definitively over Julio Jones. It's more of a reflection of how I feel about Calvin Ridley and the jump I'm expecting him to take this year versus what you look at New Orleans. Emmanuel Sanders, we know what you're going to get out of him. His ceiling is going to be 75 catches. I think he's put up around 65, 66 in each of his last two seasons, but he gets a considerable bump now that he has Drew Brees throwing on the ball. So his ceiling is around 75 catches for, let's say, 600 to 700 yards. We know what we're getting out of him. And Jared Cook, we also know what we're getting out of him. With Calvin Ridley, I think he could easily see around 85 to 90 catches this year in this Atlanta offense. So that's just me saying Calvin Ridley is going to take the next step. And it's not going to hold Julio Jones back, as I still think he's going to be wide receiver too. But I do think Michael Thomas definitively has the reins as the top dog more than Julio Jones, who I think that gap between Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley is smaller than Michael Thomas and Emmanuel but Sanders. But I will say this. And and you have talked about this, about this before. If you want to talk about that gap, there is a very big gap in between Alvin Kamara and Todd Gurley. And Alvin Kamara will require a lot more touches, uh, catches out of the backfield. You said you expected Alvin Kamara to, to come back into form, make a big jump, and I believe he's also in your top four. Yeah. No, that's definitely fair. That's definitely a fair uh, point to make is too. And I'm actually looking at right now how many catches Todd Gurley had. Uh, and Todd Gurley, when he was in his prime with the Rams, got around 60 catches per year, which is 21 less than Alvin Kamara, who I believe is at 81 uh, in both of his seasons, or all three of his seasons. Actually, I think that's a funny stat. He's had 81 catches in all three of those seasons. So, uh, yeah, that's about 20 more ca- uh, catches to account for. But I do think you can split the difference and say Calvin really is going to catch 20 more balls than, uh, um, than Emmanuel Sanders will. So I do think that balances out a little bit. But that is a good point about and, Kamara. And I, I will note, I mean, we don't know with Targo's injury, but last year he was used a lot less in, you know, as a receiver. He only had 31 catches last season. Uh, he did see it. He did. Yeah, but they were, they were in a different offense. They ran 12 personnel a lot at the end of the season, which is what Atlanta will not be running. And that uh, running 12 personnel doesn't help out receiving backs yeah, that much. No, that's, uh, don't worry, that's true, but we know he, got, he had this injury, and he may have also changed his ability as a wide receiver. I don't know. We'll have to find out. We don't even know if Todd Gurley is healthy. 
we, we don't even know. Yeah, that. we'll see. We're, we're hoping for the best. I mean, both of us have him ranked inside our top 30. So we are really hoping for the best for Doc Gurley. We've heard nothing but good things about Gurley yep. and his health. But obviously, until he gets on the field and proves it, we know. All right, Jeff. So let's hear your last last couple here. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling we have the exact same top four. Alvin Kamara at number four. Ezekiel Elliott at three. Saquon Barkley at two and Christian McCaffrey at one. Yeah, we actually don't. I have Ryan Fitzpatrick. No, I'm just kidding. At, at four, <laughs> I do have Alvin Kamara. Three, I have Zeke. Two, I have Saquon. One, I have CMC. Fitzmagic. Do you want to tell him your little stat about yeah, Fitzmagic? Yeah, anyone's curious. I mean, I'm a big Fitzmagic guy. We definitely were talking about it today. Uh, I think it was, was it from weeks 14 to the end of the season, Ryan's? Four to the end of the well, season. Yeah, but 14 to seven or what was it 17 he was qb2 and from week four to the end of the season he was uh qb7 yeah when ryan fitzpatrick won the starting role for the dolphins from there on out he was qb7 and from the, the latter part of the season he was qb2 yeah for that i think that last fourth of the season he was so, qb2 which is fair but i mean the last fourth of the season also you don't have some quarterbacks playing i don't think lamar jackson was a top 10 quarterback for the last uh so what Jeff, season, what Jeff is telling you is to draft Ryan Fitzpatrick in the same spot he would draft uh, uh, Pat Mahomes because that's number two QB and that's equivalent to Ryan Fitzpatrick the last four games of last season. So, I mean, honestly, we might want to take him a little higher. I, than Pat Mahomes. I, I, I wouldn't be against <laughs> it, especially in, you know if you actually need a quarterback. This is totally a sign for a top four. If you needed a quarterback in a two quarterback league. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, if he kept the starting job for long enough from Tua, or if you drafted both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick, it wouldn't be a bad combo to have. Yeah, I mean, it definitely would. It would definitely be uh, an interesting league that you're taking both of those guys in. But, you know, I think we have to at least talk about our top four before we wrap up this episode. Trent, the one question I have for you is, did you even consider putting Saquon Barkley over Christian McCaffrey at one? I considered it. I would, like... This and this is more the, the PPR question. I would consider it a lot more in a non PPR format to put Saquon over over CMC. My actual um, the thing I did ponder was taking Zeke over Saquon, which I I have never really thought about until I did a little more research about um, some of Zeke's stats. I didn't realize how dominant Zeke is or he has been. You know, in his career so far, he's only had what like four or five years, but he. He's, He's been, been incredible, incredible yeah. and he requires or expects a ton of touches, like more than any other running back in the league for the past couple of years. They feed Zeke, um, and especially Zeke, Zeke does eat, and especially for a guy like myself who doesn't like Dak Prescott, it makes me it makes <laughs> me think about taking Zeke, or even more so why I might take Zeke over Saquon, especially because Saquon had some injury issues, but. I think Saquon's going to have a big season, uh, but it's CMC, his catching ability, and how good of a running back he is, it's it's undeniable. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong if you're at two and you're taking Saquon or Zeke, just because they're such similar type backs in everything they do. But as you said, Trent, Christian McCaffrey is just a different animal, and you cannot pass him up with a number one overall pick. If you really don't want to take him, trade down. That's fine, but don't take another guy 
over Christian McCaffrey at one. He's going to make you regret it. He is the most elite dual threat running back I think we've ever seen in the NFL. And this is, and just remember, our lists are in PPR formats. It would it would be less crazy for you to take Saquon at one if it was a standard league. I would respect that. Absolutely. If it's a standard league, I would honestly respect you taking Zeke at one. I think there's a case to yeah, be made for that. These lists would be totally different if we we're talking standard, but these are our PPR lists, and like Jeff said, you'd be crazy not to take CMC with the number one pick in your draft in a PPR format. Yes, sir. All right. That is a wrap on the finale of our Top 100 Draft Ranking Special. We hope you enjoyed, and as always, we'll be back Monday to get back to a normal routine with another episode. Stay safe out there, everyone. Thank you.